everyone. This is Drew Gross, and welcome to the September highlights from the Innovators Mindset Podcast. And just wonderful guests this month, as always. Uh, I love being educators all over the world, just getting different ideas. And, you know, I think I find it really inspiring. And one of the things I love about podcasting is it really helps you to learn how to listen. Uh, I, when I do the, the, uh, three questions podcast, they know the questions we're going to ask ahead of time. And that's, that's nice too. But, um, for the second one, uh, what I often do is I just basically ask people to introduce themselves and based on what they're saying, I think about questions on the fly and I try to make it really conversational. And when I listen to podcasts, one of the things I struggle with, and I'm trying to get good at this is when someone asks a question. Uh, that is hosting the podcast and they continuously interrupt. You want to be able to hear what the other person is saying and let them fully speak and then build upon it, not build upon it while they're breaking things down. So I think that's one of the things I, I really try to um, do in these podcasts. And like I said, I'm trying to get better at it. I, I try to listen to podcasts to see like, what do I like? What don't I like? What some of the styles that really gravitate to me. Um, the other thing I want to share with you and I shared this in my uh, Saturday email, uh, which I sent out to, you know, people that subscribe to it. That is, uh, you all know this about me. If you've been listening to podcasts, that we just made a, a major move to Florida. And we're actually, uh, I'm recording this right now. And beside me is uh, rain and, and uh, wind and uh, Hurricane Ian um, could be on its way. So a little bit nervous, that's for sure. And uh, I was already kind of struggling with the move. And not that I'm upset that um, we left where we were before. I think that was really needed uh, for where um, I was in my life, uh, as well as my family. But just did we make the right choice of where we went to? And I know uh, I talked about this idea of like permanent for now. Uh, sometimes uh, we think that we're making a decision that will last for the rest of our lives, but we've got to be open to change. And uh I, the thing is, is that uh, I, I kind of make an I kind of made this uh, connection to when uh, I lost weight. One of the things I was really good at was exercise. Uh, exercise has never been an issue for me. It's the eating habits, and when I started to realize, like, hey, I'm eating in an unhealthy way, and this is causing the issues. When I made that transition, it wasn't that um, wasn't easy, right? The way I used to eat when I started to try to eat healthier, I felt like I was starving all the time, really struggling. And there's that kind of in-between space where, where now I eat healthy generally most of the time and I feel great. It makes me feel so much better. But it was that in-between space where I was really kind of struggling. And I feel like, you know, when we make changes, I started to kind of make that analogy Then when we're going from something that we know is not great to something that's good for us, that in-between is where we get lost a lot of times. So I just wanted to kind of share that because probably where you are in your life, maybe it's a new job, maybe it's a new habit you're trying to develop. You're going to have that in-between time when you're moving from not so great to the great and to just kind of weather that, to kind of go through that because on the other end of it, we know we can come better out of it and really kind of think about that. So I just want to share that little analogy with you before you get into the rest of the podcast um, and listen to these great guests. But thanks for joining me again on the highlights from September 2022 from the Innovators Mindset Podcast. Ten-year plan that we have to think about is what are we doing for our students today that will prepare them and what will it do 10 years for them now? And really kind of how does this impact the practice that we're doing right now? How does that actually um, think about this? And 
this is where I've always talked about the notion of engagement and moving to empowerment. And I used to say engagement versus empowerment. And I don't believe in that because I think it's a progression. And the thing I always say is that if you're engaged, it doesn't mean you're empowered, but if you're empowered, it guarantees you're engaged. And it's like, really, how do we give our students ownership over their practice? How do they figure out their own pathway? And I'll give you an example of like a mistake in my career and, you know, kind of thinking back because I like to point fingers at myself, not anyone else. So you look at, uh, I look at my first year of teaching and I'll tell you, like, I was not, um, the things I knew about education, I know way more now, obviously, right? As you should, as you, you know, go into education. And I, but I, the kids in my class that year, they love me. And they loved me because I was really funny. I could tell great stories. Uh, I was very conversational. I could take really boring content and make it super fun, right? And exciting and stuff like that. And I remember, I could just remember some days these kids would just be like so enthralled and just so engaged with everything I would say. And, you know, I just, I can have that personality sometimes, right? And thinking about that year and I was like, you know, pretty, pretty proud of like, hey, I did pretty good as a first year teacher. And those kids went to grade five. And I remember someone coming to you like, Mr. Kroos, like, oh, we miss you so much. Our teacher is like so boring. They like make us do work and they make us like figure stuff out on our own. And we got to like learn all these things. And I'm like thinking about this. I was like, oh, like, what have I done? I have made these kids so dependent on me being funny and telling little stories and things like that, which I'm not saying you shouldn't do, but they became so dependent upon that, that it was just like, they could just sit back and soak in what I said but they would actually not actually go figure out stuff on their own. And I think about sometimes our helpfulness when we overdo it can lead to a helplessness to our kids being able not to figure out their own pathway. And of course we want to like, you know, remove as many barriers for our kids as possible. I, I know I do this as a dad, but I'm very cognizant that I, you know, want to make sure um, there's obstacles that I, sometimes we put up in front of our kids so they learn how to deal with it. And I, I can't remember the exact thing. I remember reading it somewhere. It's like, do we prepare our, the road for the child or the child for the road? And I think that's a really powerful thing. And I remember actually um, one year I had some uh, really incredible math students in my class and this is grade nine. And I would give them stuff that was being done at the grade 11, 12 level. And I would tell them that. And I would say like, Hey, figure this out. And they're like, well, this is not this is not for our grade. And I said, I know. I said, figure it out though. And they're like, well, why don't you teach? I'm like, no, I'm not going to teach you. You figure it out. And they were like so frustrated and mad and upset about it. And then they finally figured the stuff out way beyond you know what the curriculum was telling them. And I remember they were like, Mr. Gross, like we got it. This is like, and they were just so amazed by that. And they learned. And what I try to teach them is that they can figure this stuff out on their own. They can figure out their own pathway. And I think as teachers, that's something that we want to do is that 10 years from now, are we putting our kids in a situation where they're not dependent upon us, where they don't need us to clear the pathway from? Because guess what? We're not going to be there for them for their whole lives. They're not going to be able to, you know, go through this. So it's like really thinking about that 10-year plan is what are we doing for our kids today that will serve them tomorrow? That's the 10-year plan that we should be focusing on is like, how, what are the practices that we're doing? How does this prepare kids to not just, you know, for the real world, which I think is, you know, part of life, but also to make the real world better. And that means that they're gonna have to have ownership, not just to kind of go do stuff for other people, but to actually create their own pathway moving forward. And I think that's where a lot of school districts go wrong is they are constantly focused on the new stuff and the latest and greatest and all of these things 
as opposed to saying like, hey, yeah, those things are happening, but let's just be really good at these few things so that we're we're not just focused on the newest technology, but really how do we actually, um, you know, for example, I, I like I, I still use blogs all the time because I think it actually really helps with writing. I think it's one of the best ways to learn to read and write, communicate, especially online. And so I, I appreciate that too, is like you're getting to that place of depth. And I think for a lot of people listening to, don't focus on all of the things, focus on a few things, doing them really well. And I think you'll, you'll be better served. I think your staff will be thankful for that as well. Is that something that you've seen as working in your, like in the process of what you do? Like, how, how is that? Like, how, what's your philosophy so, you just shared? Yeah. Um, well, the whole idea of task before apps or uh, you, mm. you want the content, whatever the content is and the apps or the tools are secondary. Um, yeah. But when, when you find a tool, I'm all about, let's learn this tool. Let's yeah. not try to learn all these tools. You go to these things and you see 50 tools in 50 minutes. And right. I have to say, I've been guilty of doing some of those right. sessions. Uh, but when I think they're really great tools, of course. Right. Um, and I'll actually, I'm signed up to do one at a conference in a couple of months. But uh, the idea behind that is, yeah, I'm going to give you a scatter plot of a, or a scatter plot, a bunch of tools that you can use. However, I want you to just find one and focus in on it. Right. Dial in on that one tool and become really become an expert at that one tool. And if you want to add another one, yes, but don't try to add more than one. Never, ever, right. ever try to learn. So, yeah, you maybe you have the cap capacity to do so. I remember a couple of years ago, my wife was going to Finland. My daughter was taking Spanish for the first time and my son was taking French for the first time or my daughter was taking Spanish for the eighth time. I don't know. She right. did in elementary school, but um, I said, so I'll take, I'll learn some French, Spanish and Finnish. Right. Uh, all at the same time. That didn't work. <laughs> right. Right. And it was work. one of those things where, uh, yeah, I, I know a couple of words in all the languages, but that's about it. And right. it's one of those things that I think had I honed in, focused in, uh, drilled in, uh, it would have been better for me. And I think it's the same way with uh, technology. Yeah, the, the, so it is kind of interesting, and I, I struggle with this because I've had lots of conversations with educators, and it's like, oh, like our school just inundates us with so many tools, and like we, we're struggling with this, but then the 50 tools in 50 minute session is always jam-packed at conferences, and then conferences repeat them because they know they're just a sure thing, right? Like always. they'll always get a huge attendance, where it's like, hey, like are we actually like advocating for something that we're not like we actually will we're kind of going against and I, I remember there's this distinct time i was doing a workshop with a school and i actually was shocked at this answer i was expecting something totally different i said look if i could just let you do whatever you want with any technology you figured out on your own but you had all the choice in the world would you prefer that or would you just want me to decide for you a couple tools, but promise you that we're going to focus on that for a couple of years. And they're like, just tell us what to do. Just, just, and I was like, Oh, and I think it was because a lot of people know that we have to implement technology meaningful ways into our classrooms because it's just part of society. It's part of the world, but they don't know where to start. And so they become so overwhelmed that they just push it all away. So like, how, how would you, how would you, what examples, like, how do I know this works? 
you know, like it, when you see the kids, cause you said like, you know, you, you actually said we like, we saw this was actually working with our students. How do you know that? Yeah. Well, I think like on a personal level for them, I knew it was working because the buy-in was there. Mm -hmm. The engagement of the students were there. They were excited. They were, you know, collaborating with each other, all those, you know, skills, hard and soft skills that they were doing. Um, and then parents were messaging us and saying like, Hey, you know, Johnny came home and we're talking about erosion. Like, can you right. tell me, you know, what are we doing in here? And, um, so that part started to come and then, um, and then the testing started to happen and started to show right. our state testing, you know, that we have to do our scores were without really teaching to the test or working super hard to make sure that we get, you know, that 80%, it was happening right. just with us doing our job every day. And so I think that kind of was like eye opening as well for us that what we're doing is working. Um, and, and I think too, like the students conversation in the classroom, just daily you know, just what teachers would do on a normal, normal occurrence, you know, teacher observation, you know, how students are interacting mm -hmm. with one another, how they're interacting with us and the content and the material. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, so this is a, like, I think this is a really important point to make. And it's kind of interesting how you went there, right? You had, you said you had kids going home, talking to their parents about this stuff and then they were doing well on, on your test. Right. And like, I'm not, I'm not, none of us are like, oh, state testing is the best, right? But it is a reality. And I, I don't like when people like, yeah, okay, let's let's get rid of it. I understand that. But I could also say, don't worry about the state tests, which is really easy for me to say because I don't deal with them. And then you lose your jobs and then you try to move to Canada, right? Like that's <laughs> Or Wyoming, I guess. I or, you know, whatever. But I think part of it too is that we have a bunch of kids who actually have the ability to read and- mm -hmm you know, they're really good on state tests. They just actually end up hating reading because of the way they're taught. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. like that, that's part of the issue is that if you actually kill a kid's love of learning, but they do well in the test, we've done more damage than good. Absolutely. And it's like for our own ego and our own scores that we can show to the public. Whereas if you actually get a kid really to love learning, the test will be fine. That is something that I, I really believe in. I feel like a lot of times we're asking, we're constantly talking about educators, you know, being you know, for the 21st century and all that crap, right? We always yep, say this yep. stuff. And then, but then we like, we just want leadership to be the same way it was, right? And so, you know, just like, let's let's change the paradigm and the, the dynamic of, like, think about all the times we've changed the, you know, we try to think about different ways, like think about the teacher's facilitator and yeah. by, by principal is just the principal, right? But yeah. so we're never asking that to change. So like, how do you see that, you know, role evolving? um, in education? Well, I, I think, <clears throat> I think it is evolving. It definitely. Mm -hmm. We're realizing, and I think more and more school districts anyways, here in, in Ontario are realizing the importance of investing in that. And that maybe we kind of miss, we kind of missed the boat for a long time when it came to that, because, right. and, and, and in the evolution of the role, right. The, the administrator was, was the manager, right? right? So you do the budgets and whatever, you made sure the toilets worked and whatnot. But now it's become a lot more of a, of a leadership, right? Versus a, a manager and right. a leader is that's completely different. To me, leadership is developing others. Right. Right. So it doesn't matter if it's kids or if it's the staff, it's, it's, it's all about what can I do as a leader and what can I put into place? What budget do I need? How do I need to spend my budget? Everything, everything that's planned and that you're going to plan as a, as a school leader is based on how can I make, you know, the people that are in my building grow and myself within mm -hmm. that as well 
So a lot of people aren't, aren't, aren't uh, comfortable with that mm-hmm. because you don't know what you don't know. And often like teaching, you, you know, you know how you teach, how you've been taught. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you'll know school principles when you were a teacher and you'll most likely start, you know, being an, 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 an administrator, like what you've experienced. So, you know, a lot of people are focused on the mechanics of the job when we should be focused on the mechanics of the relationships. Well, the, the, right? so the, the, there's like a Covey, um, there, there's like a Covey thing that leadership is about, I mean, you said that leadership is about people, management's about stuff, but you actually have to have both skills, right? Exactly. So for example, you have this vision for all these incredible things that you want to do, yep. but then you don't have the, the actual management skills to place their resources in the hands of the people that you want to think different. So it's not like, a, I think a lot of people, cause you always see that, that, that little thing that we say in, oh, it's. We don't need managers. We need leaders. I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah, you yeah. need both. You actually you need, need both. both. You need you need both of those skills because basically you have this vision for what we try to do, but you actually have to have the skills and the tools to put those things in place, right? 